Hi guys, welcome back to the Earthy Delights podcast. Today's guest is a former teacher of mine, my Spanish teacher, Miss Emma Albacek. She's had a great influence on my life. If it weren't for her, I wouldn't have studied at the school I studied, which is where I ultimately met uh, Louisa, my girlfriend of seven years now. Uh, and I wouldn't have gone to Leeds University. She recommended me to go there, which meant I wouldn't have probably moved to Madrid. So without Miss Albacek, my life would be very different right now. Uh, it was great to talk to her because we spoke about the pressures of being a teacher, how they manage their own mental health and the mental health of their students, how they uh, cope with the different personality profiles of their students and inspire their students, which I think can be easier said than done sometimes, especially when the children don't have an initial interest in that subject. We talk about what it means to nurture students and to help them be more than just an academic success. Uh, and it was really great to listen to a teacher's point of view. I think during coronavirus and the lockdown, we've all given a lot more appreciation towards teachers and understand how difficult their job is. Uh, and so to talk to her and be able to understand what it means to be a teacher and all that all that comes with it was a really uh, great opportunity. And I hope you guys learned something from it. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I certainly did. So without further ado, here is Miss Emma Albacek. Miss Emma Albacek, um, I'm going to have to stop calling you Miss for the purpose of this <laughs> podcast, but uh, Miss Albacek, how are you doing? I'm fine, thanks, Lep. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. I'm looking forward to this conversation. It feels like it's been too long since I saw you last, but yet we keep, we keep on speaking over Facebook and everything else. We so do, it's good yeah. to finally kind of see you, at least in video form anyway. Um, for people who are listening, could you just give like a brief kind of description of how I know you, who you are, and, and why I'm doing this podcast with you today? Okay, so um, I taught Seb Spanish at A level in school, um, but even before that, we'd uh, we'd our paths had crossed at, um, at his previous school, which I had also been teaching at. So I think that was was that it. Did you actually come in year seven, or was it in year eight? No, year seven. Yeah. So, yeah. I, but you left at GCSE, didn't you? I don't yeah. think I had you for GCSE. Oh, I had enough of you by then. <laughs> <laughs> so I needed to leave but yeah do you know what I found a um I was trawling through sort of doing reports because we don't do um copy and paste of reports at all but I was um right. trawling through my reports and I found my old report of you in year eight. Oh dear yeah <laughs> what does it say didn't shut up concentrate more it was sort of yeah it was kind of so much ability um, but uh, plays the class clown, um, <laughs> needs to realise his potential and <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and all the rest of it, which you, I think you have done eventually. So, so eventually, I mean, it took, it, it took a time, yeah. <laughs> well, if in year eight, I was 12, it's taken 12 years to get there, but yeah. hey, better, late, better late than never, I guess. Better late than Absolutely, never. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, it, it was really good. I, was, I was said to you before we started this, but I was talking to Jim about, about you and about like the impact that a teacher has or can have I should say not necessarily they will always have on a student but they can have on a student for people who don't really know like my past or how we how important or influential you were to give people a bit of a quick um backstory basically like miss said I she studied she you taught me from year seven till nine I believe and then you mm. left for my year 10 and 11 I think mm -hmm. um and then by the time I finished my GCSEs at Skeg Grammar, the school had kind of gone downhill and pretty much all of the best teachers had left in whatever department it was. There weren't like there weren't many of the top teachers left. So I 
well, my mum more than anything decided that I needed to leave. Um, and so we did the rounds at Lincoln schools and nothing really fit. And I, I mean, this is, we're talking about maybe a week before I had to start A-levels. And so I was like, right, well, I'm just going to head back to scare grandma then because there's nothing else. Uh, and then one of my kind of family friends said that he went to Carl's grammar. And I asked him about the Spanish department and he said, oh yeah, there's a, um, a, a woman who's married to this Catalan, Miss Albacek. She's really good. I have her for GCC, this, that, and the other. And I was like, Miss Albacek, did you say? And then I had to make sure that it was the same woman. So I went and I <laughs> checked, I checked cars out, went for a visit. And basically the only thing I was interested in was going to check that it was you. So I went to the little Spanish part of the school and uh, alas, it was. And so then that was me. That was the deal. And I was like, right, well, that's it. I'm joining cars then, I guess. And it really was like that. People think I'm over-egging it. And then further still, I remember when I was going for uni, I couldn't be bothered, um, as anyone who knows me, that doesn't surprise them, but I couldn't be bothered to do the open days. It was really just tedious and boring. And so I kind of, we were just talking, I think, after one lesson. And I said, yeah. um, I think you asked me, like, what are my what are my plans for uni? And I said, I don't really know. I can't be bothered to look around the unis, but I'm going to have to choose somewhere. And then you said, oh, well, if you're looking to study Spanish, I know Leeds have um, have plowed in a lot of money into their kind of languages department. Mm. And then for me, that was good enough. That was like the seal of approval. And I was like, right, well, if it's good enough for Miss Albuquerque, I'll take it. And so I firmed there, having never even been to Leeds City ever before. And then I rocked up on the day that we started the uni and then um and that's it and uh thank god i liked it because if not i think i might have haunted you but yeah um, <laughs> yeah but no i absolutely loved it and so it was uh that was all thanks to you and obviously at cars i met louisa um who i know who's been my girlfriend for seven years now and who i live with in madrid and actually it was during the trip that you organized in barcelona yeah. for our exchange where finally after my, I think it was my third attempt, I finally managed to convince her that uh, her best choice was to go out with me. So I didn't you tried a, before. yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried mm. before and she'd uh, turned me down a good few times. I was like, right, listen. Can you remember I, I used times. to, I used to say to you two, um, oh my God, you just bickering like an old married couple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sitting yeah, yeah, in the yeah, doctor's yeah, surgery going, nee, 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 yeah, each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, not much has changed now. But um, <laughs> but no, yeah. So in a roundabout, in some very direct ways and in some more kind of um, roundabout ways, you've had like a real impact on my life. And obviously now I'm living in Madrid. Um, and like, you know, I mean, you always try to ram Barcelona down our throats. Yeah, I think maybe that was... Had, it was a big I disappointment. A... You've disappointed yeah. me big time there. <laughs> I think there's a subconscious part of uh, me that's like, yeah, I'm going to just despite miss, I'm going to have to move to Madrid. Yeah. Um, in fact, we had the opportunity to learn Catalan at uni as like an as a an extra module. And I was like, there's just not a chance in hell that I'm learning Catalan. Why would I like, do that? Over my dead body. Yeah, over my dead body. So here I am in Madrid. Um, and it's all thanks to you, really. And, um, and I wanted to ask you, um, you know, obviously, I, I, when I was in year seven and all the way through, I had a talent for Spanish, and that's pure. I mean, it's just luck. I was just having mm -hmm. Italian dad, so I'd always had that kind of Latin yeah. um, culture in me, and I spoke Italian. Obviously, Italian and Spanish are really similar, but I think especially in England, we have this culture where languages aren't seen as important because the whole notion is, well, if I go abroad, I can just speak English anyway. So, what's the point? Yeah. And that's even more so the case in Spain, actually, where they are quite accommodating and they do they will help you out if they see that you can't speak Spanish. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you, like, the 
whether you believe that you can actually uh i don't know if you can ignite a flame of interest in a kid who has no initial interest in in a subject i mean like i, I said to you before but galileo says you can't he says you cannot teach a man anything you can only help him find it within himself so i think he thinks you it's a lost cause but i guess at the end of the day it is your job to try to inspire 30 kids yeah. every year group um to take it on as, as far as they can do do you think that's a possible possibility um i think it's uh it, i mean it is difficult it's um obviously teaching mm. languages isn't it's not one of the easiest things as, as you know to learn a language is it yeah um not as easy as sort of learning geography or doing DT and stuff like that. And obviously mm. sort of teaching in a boys school as well. It's more the practical subjects that they were particularly more interested in. They come as well where we are. It's very rural and I hate to say it quite uh, not very open to sort of cultural diversity and, and, and all the rest mm. of it. I don't know if I can say that. Um, yeah. But so the boys come um, almost conditioned, some of them, I think, with the fact that languages are really, really difficult. So, and it's going to be impossible to learn. And as you say, they're not going to need it in the future. Um, so it's a question of, uh, it's just a question of sort of little by little, those little steps and trying to uh, sort of instill in them that it's not just the fact of learning the language, it's the fact of learning the history, the culture, um, mm. It's all about the cultural capital, the skills that a language, um, the skills that you gain learning a language, which can then be transferred onto other subjects like communication and like thinking out of the box and taking risks and all that kind of thing. And I think it's it's also it's a question of praise, isn't it? Um, mm. You know, if, if somebody sort of says something in the class and it's not right, it's not like question saying no wrong it's yeah. uh it's like mm, okay that's a really good idea well done um can you sort of refine that a little bit what about if you think about this what might it be and then just sort of pushing them to think a little bit more themselves so mm. you're not going to hit everybody no no way and I mean that obviously shows the amount of people you know who who take up languages at a level yeah you know i mean i don't I can't remember how many were in our class about six seven yeah maybe like yeah yeah um yeah. and at the moment i've got a year 13 group of six and a year 12 group of five so you know it's just not it isn't everybody's cup of tea it is very very difficult but you know you try and it's very hard as well in the in sort of the lower years well certainly in the gcse years you you've you teach them to pass this exam so, you know, you're getting them to learn off by heart, um, to tell you about w what they would do if they were the minister of the environment to improve the environment. <laughs> yeah. like, well, how yeah. often do you communicate that with your, your mates in Spain, Seb? I mean, it's yeah, just, exactly. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. So, mm. you know, the, the curriculum, what we have to teach has got a lot to do with it, I think. Um, it needs to be much more curriculum. It needs to be much more communication based. Um, but you try, you try and push them. You try and give people praise because they're scared they're scared of making a fool of themselves and all the rest of it so you just praise them and just you know and you make yeah you make it more normal that the fact that you make mistakes so I always I always explain the mistakes that I've made 
I always remember Boca Dia de Poya. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I teach that, and I teach that. And I always, with the year sevens, when they're saying how old they are, it's, um, you know, and they'll say, mm, tengo once anos. And I'm like, oh, yeah. you don't, yeah, I really yeah. don't want to know how many anuses you have. <laughs> and that's yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of like, it's that kind of, I don't know, good fun, I suppose, aspect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's something interesting because I have some of my friends try are trying to learn languages now or i've got a lot of spanish um friends who try to speak english or they want to learn or improve their english or whatever the case may be with louisa she's now trying to obviously she let it slip because she's not studying after a level and now she's living in madrid she's having to repick repick it up again um my first thing that i always say is you're going to commit errors Mm -hmm. so like you really just need to get that out of forget about it because i was like yeah even in english i mean the amount of people who think they speak good english yeah and then actually if you if you were to listen to them well that's wrong that's wrong that's wrong that Mm. we was doing this well okay fine whatever but you know (laughs) so i was like you you, if you're going to commit errors in your in your mother tongue so to speak i mean forget about trying to speak perfectly in a a foreign language Mm. it's never going to happen and i was and i found as well i mean maybe it's just my thing but i'm not sure if you if you agree but i found with girls and women it's that's more of a hang-up yeah, so I found, and I, I think like with guys, I mean, me especially, but with guys, we're fairly cocky. Yeah. And so I would do well in my speaking because I would come at them with a pace and with a rhythm yeah. where where actually it would like confuse the examiner to the point where they go, God, he's speaking really well. And then I think <laughs> actually if they re-listen, <laughs> yeah, if they re-listen back, they'd go, oh, that's an error. That's another error. Here's a massive error, blah, blah. But because I would come at them with a the confidence, mm. it, I kind of bamboozled. Whereas yeah. I would listen, I would listen to Louisa speak or, you know, my mum tried to speak Italian and, and whatever. And they would only ever say a sentence if they knew it was perfect, yeah. which meant that they only ever said the most simple sentences ever, or they never really spoke it either. So yeah. then you don't get the practice in. And I always try to like say that to my friends who are learning a foreign language, forget about the errors. You've just got to go in there full force. And yeah. if you make 10 errors a sentence it is what it is, but eventually you'll learn and you'll, yeah. you'll make fewer, but you will always make some. That's just, like my dad's been in England for thirty years. He speaks better English than a few, than most English people, but he still says ruin instead of ruin. Do you know what I mean? Like there's <laughs> yeah. accents or whatever it is that you'll never change that. And, and and I think if people could get get over that hang up, that would make a massive difference in learning and yeah. having the appetite to speak actually as well. Yeah, and also if 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 it were about communication, it were about things that you actually need. And I think the A level mm. syllabus is is pretty good. The A level syllabus is right where it should be i think it's the key stage three syllabus now you could you've got a bit more uh freedom but obviously it's got to be geared towards the gcse one the gcse one is 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 just rubbish it's just you know jumping through hoops yeah you are jumping through hoops yeah yeah i mean i is it became obvious as well because you could memorize what you were going to say in your speaking and even your writing you could just i used to even though i was good at spanish i would just learn it word for word and then i'll just like basically recite yeah. it afterwards or yeah. write it down word for word exactly how i memorized it but it was kind of funny because then in a level i'm not going to out my friends here but then in a level so we'd all come into a level with like a's or a stars and then we come into a level and then everyone in the class was basically at a c or a b level <laughs> um except yeah. me and that, I, I was only saved by my speaking because to be honest my writing was a c level my writing mm. has never been my strong point mm. um and that I, I think that does a real like kind of um disservice to students because then they believe oh i got an a star in spanish mm. yeah because if you get an a star gcc you probably should take it on for a level really yeah yeah and then they take it on for a level expecting to probably end up with a b or an a which then 
as a language, B or A on your, on your UCAS, whatever, that looks amazing. Going to get mm. you to some really good unis. Mm. And then they and then they come come unstuck. And then it's like, yeah. oh, shit, this is a lot harder than what I thought it would be. Yeah. I mean, the GCSE that you did, it, it's changed since then. Um, mm. And it's no longer the, um, you know, the controlled assessment sort of essay thing yeah. that you wrote. It's, it is more uh, sort of a proper written, it, well, it's actually a written exam. Um, right. And the speaking is they do want you to be more spontaneous. So um, right. before lockdown, I was sort of practicing, you know, sort of various stuff with my year 11s. And <clears throat> we did mock exams and they were like, oh, I haven't learned it. I haven't learned it. And just it doesn't matter. Just like, let's just have this um, this conversation. Just see how far you can go. Um, mm. And actually, I felt that the more spontaneity that they were able to to give me was actually better than had it been pre-learned. Yeah. If it had been pre-learned, they would have mm. just completely dried up because they hadn't they couldn't remember it. And uh, and the way sort of it was when they were doing it more spontaneously, they could sort of drag in just different verbs, different ideas from all kinds of contexts. And so it did work much better that way. And I think, you know, that's the that's I mean and that's what a language is about it's about communicating yeah. spontaneously isn't it so yeah for sure I, I wondered now that you teach it um how do I put this obviously you're teaching it to students at all varying levels but e let's be fair even the best students you, you, even at a level standard they're still not going to be able to have like great conversations with you because it's that's the standard that you're at even an a star student at a level is I mean, if I compare myself to what I was at A-level to what I am now, it's worlds apart, right? Mm -hmm. But I wonder, does that ever kind of um, uh, dull your love for Spanish? Because I now, now that I, I mean, I love Spanish, but I could never imagine speaking it daily with people who can't speak it. My, the thing that I love most about it is conversing with Spaniards mm. and that challenge to try to get to their level and to speak with them and to converse with a Spaniard and, and feel like there's not a big difference. Does it ever dull your love for the language that you're doing this with 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds who obviously have loads of errors and this, that and the other? Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, that's one of the things um, I am, I'm really passionate about Spanish. I mean, I t teach French as well, but mm. I'm passionate about languages um sort of in general but obviously Spanish is my because of my experience obviously um yeah and what I mean what we're doing sort of now in my department is we are well we're insisting on target language so obviously target language moderated as you go through the through the different year groups so the year sevens have got the typical you know Puedo quitarme la chaqueta and puedo ir al lavabo. Yeah. Those kind of typical phrases that they have to that they have to ask us in um, in 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 Spanish, and then sort of you know with them, I always write the date on the board, and so I tell them what the date is, and then after about uh, a few weeks, I ask them what the date is, and they tell me what the date is. So it's all this. I do believe sort of the the target language actually used in lessons, whereas some, you know, they do feel that to start with, they feel very sort of intimidated um, mm. and they're not understanding, but they do, they do understand it. And if they don't understand it, somebody else does. And then you do all your minds and your gestures and you, you know, open your book and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I do believe that that is the way forward. And that is the way to get them from an earlier age to, um 
to sort of really improve in the communication. It's never going to be the same as when you go, even after sort of bit doing a university degree in it. It's the time yeah. that you spend in that language, the sort of the complete yeah. and utter sort of um, immersion immersed in that language. Yeah. yeah. Which is what happened with me when I was in when I lived in Barcelona for all that time. It it that's yeah. when my you just get the nuances, don't you? And the Yeah. Uh, it's all the little important. phrases that <laughs> I mean, I, I remember I, I finished university and I was kind of getting involved in the rat race and it was like all of my uni friends, bear in mind, like I'm, I'm talking about friends who have studied Spanish at university level. We've all put ourselves into 50K debt for this and all of them were applying to consultancy jobs in, in London. And I, I remember um, this was the year after we returned from Erasmus. So it was our final year. And I remember I had to send off... Um, an application for I think it was JP Morgan whatever and I mean not to won't surprise you but obviously I was running like late doing it all last minute and I was stressing out and then I just thought why am I str-? I was like I don't even want this job like I want them to turn me down I just want to know that I sent the application in because then I'm like kind of competing with my peers mm. and I was like this is ridiculous I was like right I'm not doing this and I was like right I'm just gonna go to Spain and I was like I know it's gonna be a bit crap financially speaking <laughs> i know that all of my friends now who live in london they're all on like 30 40k and i'm struggling to get past 20 in spain it is what mm. it is but i was like even having done a university degree i was like i know i'm I'm fooling myself if i think that i'm even close to fluency like i'm yeah. kidding myself on here yeah. and I, was like, I know that if i want to be able to tell my kids because ultimately my whole school career has been geared towards Spanish. Mm. I was like, I don't want to come, I don't want to be 30 years old or 40 years old and tell my kids, oh yeah, I studied Spanish and then try and get involved in their homework mm. and be like, oh, what's the subjunctive again? Yeah. When do you use that? Do yeah. you know what I mean? I was like, that's, that, there was like a shame in, in me. I was like, no, nah, I need to learn it and I need to say that I can speak it fluently. And to do that, I have to move abroad. Um, but I think so many people kid themselves on thinking that they can speak a language. The amount of people that tell me, oh, I'm fluent in this. I mean, I don't even say I'm fluent in Spanish because mm. I know that there's still loads for me to learn, right? Mm, but like, yeah. I mean, I remember when I first came over to Spain, we had, I had one of my first meetings with my boss and he said, uh, he was talking about a client and then he said, ah, me cago en la leche. And I mm-hmm. was like, well, I was like, I shit in the milk. I was like, that doesn't make any <laughs> sense. I was like, I understand it's a negative thing he's saying, but that makes zero sense to me. So then I had to ask one of my friends outside of the meeting. I was like, mate, the boss just said like, me cago en la leche. Like, what does that mean? And then like, she's Spanish. She was trying to give me examples. And I was like, oh, it means like, for fuck's sake, is that yeah. kind of vibe? Like, that's when we would use it. And then you kind of understand that in Spain, they have tears to mm. their swear words. Yeah. So it's, yeah. me cago en la leche is nice, but then it's like, me cago en la, ma- en la madre que te parió. That's yeah. like another level. That's and then it's like, me cago en tus muertos. And then yeah. it's like, right, that's it. That's yeah. like, I want to kill you now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And all these like nuanced things that even a university, they're never going to teach you that stuff. I was getting taught Velasquez no. and Don Quixote and all this. And I've, <laughs> when have I ever used that since I've come out to Madrid? Never once have I spoken about Don Quixote once. <laughs> Why but that's not? what we get taught for 50 grand. And who do you have with? Who it's you not my bag, with? miss. You're not sort of like talking uh, about Don Quixote all the time. <laughs> Listen, when they started saying saying that windmills were giants, that's when they lost me. I was like, right, this is this is going over my head. But um, yeah, I really think that people should they need to understand that like you have to, and what Jim the my you know he's moved over to Italy now because he's got an Italian girlfriend. He understands that if he wants to learn Italian, he has to immerse himself there. Yeah, as good as it is to watch YouTube videos in Italian and whatever else. If you're still in Dublin, and ultimately when you step out your front door. 
you're going to speak English. Yeah. What, you, there's only a certain level that you can actually improve. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a difficult language is such a difficult one because it's one of those ones where you just have to constantly, it's not like a bike where people say, oh yeah, once you ride a bike, then that's it. it's like, no, you have to, con- you have to yeah. stay on the bike. I mean, it's not, it's not something that you can do like a module on and then you park it and then you're not going to, yeah come back to it ever it's it's like it's like I I was sort of using the analogy of building a hat building a house so you get your foundations Mm. built um and then you just keep building on it and building on it but you've got to have those foundations built properly Mm. um in order for the rest of the house to be built and to to continue building it and it you know language learning I mean you say that you know you're still learning I'm still learning things as well Mm. I'll sort of like listen to stuff or I'll or sometimes, actually, sometimes my year, my year 13s, they all sort of teach me stuff. And, um, you know, and I think that's what, you know, coming back to sort of the idea of teaching, what by the time you get into sort of the sixth form, particularly year 13, it is uh, a re- it does become more of a two way process. It rather yeah. than me sort of imparting all my knowledge to you, it's sort of. Um, me sort of trying to explain some stuff, you making up your mind. I mean, you from the word go, you were really against the whole Catalan thing. And, (laughs) you know, when I was trying to sort of teach Catalonia and all the rest of it, and um, I found that very funny, by the way. Uh, And you do realise I just tried to wind you up, don't you? (laughs) Yeah, I know, I know. know. (laughs) Just like, you know, know. trying to get get a reaction out of you, which obviously I did get reactions, but, you know, the reactions were in Spanish, so yeah, that was yeah. yeah you ultimately, know. you got your goal. I, I'm yeah. happy you kind of moved on to the A level um, students because mm-hmm. I think obviously I had a certain affinity towards you because you're my Spanish teacher and it was my best my best subject and I always knew no matter whatever else I mean I got good grades in most of my subjects but Spanish was always there and I could always fall back Mm. on it um and that gave me uh maybe too much confidence but it gave me a level of confidence that I enjoyed um but it wasn't a pure the reason I got on with you so well wasn't a case of just because you're my Spanish teacher and I'm good at Spanish because I had other Spanish teachers we don't need to name names but I didn't let's just say we weren't best friends but (laughs) the what I enjoyed about you um from even from when before a level to be honest was that you gave respect when it was earned and you would even when I was even when I was in from year seven to year nine you wouldn't talk to us as if we were like these moronic kids Mm. and talk down to us in a very kind of authoritative way of this is how it is I'm the teacher you have to listen to me and that's it whereas some teachers that I had they that's how they taught and I get that everyone has different styles but for me for example that would always rub me up the wrong way and I would always go oh if you're going to talk to me like an idiot then I'll, I'll, I'll play the fool and yeah. you're not going to get anything out of me. Whereas if you give me respect, I'll 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 be cheeky because that's just who I am. But I'll always give you respect, and you know that I'll put the effort in for you. Um, yeah. And I was wondering, how do you? Is that just your style, or is that like a thing that teachers need to kind of keep in in mind that actually, especially as the kids get older, that you have to kind of talk to them on a more level playing field? Mm, I I don't know. I think I mean the days of sort of uh shouting at students and mm. um you know making them stand against the wall and and that kind of thing those days are over I mean that's that's just not I mean I know that from having sort of raised my two my two girls that's not the way to um yeah. to sort of uh talk to young people because it doesn't really matter how 
old or how young they are. They are human beings and they do deserve that kind of respect. And all you're going to do is if you shout them down, they're just going to get, mm. you know, you're just going to ignite something in them, which, you know, isn't isn't what you want to ignite in them. So, <clears throat> yeah, I, th- I think it's sort of making it, that is my style. I'm very, I'm very laid back in the classroom. Um, mm. I mean, I can remember... Uh, I don't even know if it was your group, but, you know, some groups have said, oh, it's like in in our lessons, when we come into our lessons, it's very much sort of chatting, getting on with stuff, chatting, having a bit of a laugh and a joke. And and I think, you know, there's no, obviously, when you're teaching sort of a a group of 30, you've got to have this um, discipline. Um, But that old adage of never smile before Christmas is is just that's just silly you you yeah. need to show to them that you are a human being that you've got a, a sense of humor just show them mm. where the line is <clears throat> and yeah. obviously that line gets smaller and smaller I guess when you uh, sort of as the the older the students get and then by the time they're in sixth form I mean you know you, you're talking to 17 18 year olds they're they're mini adults at this stage yeah. um and they've got this far and they do deserve your respect and and they've got mm a greater sense of humor and they've grown up a lot and and you can just have I hate the word but banter um with some of them and all the rest of it and I think you know that's just that's the way it needs to be I mean teaching is not sort of now where we would stand with our old although it was at Skeg wasn't it You'd, yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, it was going, in, yeah. The, uh, in the prize givings, we used to have to wear yeah. our university robes. The gowns. Not, yeah, yeah, it's not. Nah, it's not that now. There's just got to be much more of a. It's a much more of a two way process now. I think. Mm. I I always found that with me, the more responsibility you gave me, the more I kind of relished that responsibility. So I remember, especially at cars. When I was in sixth form, you, I did the assembly. If you remember, I spoke about yeah. the whole school about the importance yeah. of learning languages. Yeah. I think as the first like were, head of languages, you were, you which, got that all stuff which, like, that you did. Yeah, but that's the thing. But that's because obviously I was passionate about languages, but also because you, I think, saw that in me and mm. kind of allowed me to express that rather than mm. just being like, "Look, Seb, this is a really kind of old-fashioned school. We're in a rural place." the head of language thing is never going to take off. So don't worry about it. Just concentrate on your grades. You were like, oh, no, I'm all for it. Like, if that's what you want to do, like, obviously you love language as well. So, yeah, mm-hmm. the, I mean, go ahead. Mm-hmm. And that that responsibility and kind of loosening the leash, obviously I would take I would take the, take the mickey sometimes, but, like, more often than not, I would try with you anyway to, like, kind of live up to that responsibility because I was like, mm-hmm. she's giving it to me for a reason. So when you're asking me to come in and help the year eight who are struggling um, in Spanish or French or whatever, I, for me, that was a thing of great pride. I was like, well, she uh, misunderstands that I'm actually really invested in this, and obviously I've got a certain level where I can actually help people. Mm-hmm. And I always kind of thrived under that, whereas I always felt that some of the teachers – they kind of never had the confidence in themselves, I think, to to loosen that leash mm. and to allow the the kids to maybe be a bit more expressive and to take more responsibility. Do you? Th- I always feel, especially now that I live in Spain, that in our classes there was a very Spanish atmosphere to it, in the sense that, like you said, it was conversationalist, very relaxed, chilled out, kind yeah. of the Spanish attitude towards things in general, just in life. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you realize that you ever were doing that kind of subconsciously, maybe, or? I just, um, I mean, obviously, I, I I would plan the lessons, but 
Yeah. It's just I think when it gets to that stage, certainly to sort of A level stage, if something else comes across, comes you know comes up, and you need to sort of be able to move on and explore that rather than being set in a structured typical lesson. So. I mean, my lessons mm. then probably were not very, very structured and we probably didn't do what I'd planned to do, but we'd moved on to other things and we talked about other things. And yeah. um, so, so yeah, it's, um, I think at that stage, you've got to have, you've got to have the confidence in yourself as well. Um mm. So if we would move off onto something else, I would be thinking, right, okay, that's this is great. We'll move off onto this topic. That's fine. But then I'm going to have to bring them back because I do need to cover this topic with them. Done, um, yeah. But you know, you just if 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 that's what they're interested in this particular topic at the moment, well then let's go with that. And uh, yeah, you know, but you've got to have the the confidence in yourself as a teacher to be to be able to do that. I think, and you can do it more with sixth form than you can with. Yeah, of course. lower groups. Talking about sit form um, and kind of the responsibility that you gave me, and and, and do you think it's within um, a teacher's remit to not only obviously kind of teach the subject that they're teaching and make sure the kid gets the best grade possible, um, but do you think it's also, especially at A level, to kind of nurture them into just good people? And even if, for example, I think you always knew that none of your kids in my class anyway apart from me no one else was going to ever take it at, at mm. university but did you ever see it as a as part of your responsibility not to parent the kids so to say but just mm. to give them that extra level of trying to nurture them into good people or is it kind of a thing of no it's solely about the grades no uh no not at all and we're quite um we're quite lucky at our school really because they sort of say that on the one hand, they say that the grades aren't <clears throat> aren't the important thing. On the other hand, they say obviously they are. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but no, it's um, it is you do sort of the more the more sort of time you spend with your students, you do obviously become attached to them, not just as your students, but as as sort of young people um mm. and you get to know them uh and by the time you've got into sixth form you've sort of known these students for seven years six or seven years and and sometimes you know they will you I mean you can tell when there's something not quite right and so you'll you know you'll not sort of go there you'll just try and you'll leave them alone you won't like mm -hmm. keep asking them questions you might just say a little are you okay is everything all right um, and just leave that at that and they might come and talk to you they might not come and talk to you but it is <clears throat> and more and more these days it is becoming a question of the well-being of students as well you've got to I mean you know we've got a duty of care for our students when they're with us because we are um, in loco parentis aren't we when they're with us during yeah. the day so you've got this duty of care to them and as well and you know you need to they they can have bad days like we can uh and just because they're moody and sullen one day doesn't mean that you know they hate you or they hate your subject just means they're not particularly um you know they're not having a good day just as you may not be having a good day so it is it is very much i think i think more and more it's becoming a question of uh just trying to sort of 
trying to get the students to understand that, A, yes, you are their teacher and that professional sort of distance will always remain. But on the other hand, B, you are also a human, uh, mm. you've possibly gone through stuff that they are experiencing, the difficulties of learning and the sort of everything's on top of me and I've broken up with my boyfriend, my girlfriend. Yeah. Um, you've got children yourself as well, which is which does help. Um, and so, you know, whilst maintaining that professional distance always making them know that that you are open to to help them if they need to mm. yeah you won't like yeah. talk to, you won't ask them questions and like spanish inquisition them but yeah but yeah yeah i mean it's interesting because you talk about the kids having bad days and I, i'll admit when i was a, a kid and i was a student i didn't really think about the teachers having bad days mm. but how do you manage that? I mean, at the end of the day, you are human. There will be things uh, at some point in your career, there will have been things that have gone wrong at home or whatever the case may mm. be with a family member, this, that, and the other, or maybe the stresses, you know, of work. You might have a class that for whatever reason, just the talent level isn't there. They're not getting the grades that maybe the headmaster is expecting, which then looks poor, poorly at you and this, that, and the other. How do you kind of obviously you can't always but how do you try to keep that at the door so that when you walk into the classroom you try your absolute best to keep that outside and not let it affect even though obviously of course sometimes it will bleed through yeah um gosh yeah I mean the the thing is I think I'm very uh, I think I'm quite an emotive person so my Mm. you know you can tell on my face straight away if everything's going well if things aren't going well and um and you know what I I will say with my with my groups with my year eight groups look I've had a really awful morning this morning and you can make my day go one way or you can make it go the other way I'd like you to make Mm -hmm. it go this way I want you to sort of really impress me and I want you to make me feel happy um and I don't want you to disappoint me and get me into an even worse mood than I already am and and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing it's like it's making them aware that you've you've had a problem that you're not particularly happy and and that they actually they can make the difference to whether or not your day's going to end up they won't obviously but you can yeah. believe that they will <laughs> yeah. um yeah. and and yeah and it is it's just the thing is when when you're in the classroom it's like uh you're you're like an actor really um mm. and you just have to you just sort of you're there you're acting as a teacher you're Mm. it's one big one big act um and you've got to try not to let your how you're feeling go go through but I mean inevitably sometimes it it will do and more with the students that you've got more you know sort of more experience with and the older students and yeah and all the rest of it and it's just you know you just um I mean I think I've cried in front of a class before um yeah because somebody's just said something that's hit a nerve and I've just, you know, yeah. welled up and had to yeah. walk out. But, you know, then yeah. you just, you know, just sort of wipe yourself down and, and, and get back on the, get back onto it. It's funny. I think I always think the teachers, you're all oh, well, I, the best anyway. I think the best teachers are almost like mini psychiatrists mm. because I think you have to judge and the best ones do judge 
each person on their own merits and on their own personality traits. And I would always remember, like, sometimes you would let me get away with things because, for you know, you wouldn't know that you could give me that 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 tether. But then other things, another student would do, and I would do the exact same thing, and then you'd come down on a ha- like a house of a ton of bricks on me i'm like what but he just did that and like and looking back on it now i'm like yeah but you understood that if i went down that road or if i did that it meant something different to mm. opposed to i'm not gonna name names but if student x did that where do you know what i mean and i always mm. thought that's a real hard card game to play because mm. you have to kind of you're, you're almost kind of like you are you're you're working out the personalities of each student and then within that allowing some to take liberties where you wouldn't let others and vice versa and then the, the teachers that i had that didn't do that and they took just a blanket approach of i'm just going to teach every student exactly the same which on the i think on the face of it sounds good mm. but in practice doesn't work at all because oh, no, I need a, different things or whatever. No, you can't you have know? a one size fits all at all. Yeah. That, that just doesn't work. It doesn't work anywhere, does it? Um, this blanket approach is not, you. And, and you're right, you've got to take sort of each of those students that you've got in your classroom is an individual and you have to take their individualized approach. So like, for example, um, I would, I, you know, knowing that you're very good at, you were very good at speaking. So you know, I would let you and I would, you know, maybe ask you lots and lots of questions, whereas other students that were maybe quieter, shyer, I would sort of, uh, I wouldn't be asking them questions the whole time. I would sort of uh, differentiate the style of questions that I was asking them so that it would be easier mm-hmm. for them to answer with maybe not as, I wouldn't ask them for sort of the justifications that I'd ask you for. Um mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, you've got, you have to know your students. You have to know your students and you've got to react to the way in which they are sort of showing to you what they can or they feel they can't do, um, Mm. I think. And and then it's interesting because, I mean, obviously you... You've taught your daughter uh, A-level. Is that correct? Mm, you haven't taught her before, yeah. but you taught her A-level. Yeah. Um, and obviously, yeah, she's got, a, well, she's half um, Catalan. She's obviously got the the lingo from her family. Obviously, you're her, you're her mother. She's coming into it. She's obviously going to be better than anyone in the class. And look, she's your daughter. So at the end of the day, she's going to be your favourite. Just That's just how it is. I would like to think, you might crush my dreams here, miss, but I would like to think that <laughs> I was your favourite in class when I was your student. And I always, you were. I always wondered, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> I always wondered uh, how, because it's, you always hear like teachers, oh no, I don't have, you know, I, it's like my, they're like my kids. How could I have a favourite child? It's like, that is so much horseshit. It's unbelievable because mm. you can see it sometimes less sometimes more but you can see and there's obvious reasons why one child would be a preferred kid because either they do really well or maybe they not, might not academically do well but they're just mm. really conscientious learners and they're just good like louisa i always think of like she wasn't the best at spanish but she never took the piss she was no. always a great student she would always listen she mm. never acted out whereas no. me for example i was maybe better than academically but i could have my moments mm. how do you balance that and like understand that you know student x is your favorite but not or or on the reverse that student x is <laughs> detestable and you're like oh my god i've got this guy again how do you balance that and try your absolute best to keep it as neutral as possible oh gosh i mean it's i think for a start i i don't think ever i've 
had a student that I, I, I mean I don't think as a sort of a professional that I can ever say oh I absolutely detest this student I detest despise right. whatever because they're kids they're just like yeah. young kids they're, they're growing up and you know sort of the majority of them they won't you know however badly behaved they are or or whatever they'll hopefully after they've gone through the education process and they've you know they've learned stuff they hopefully won't the majority well the majority of ours won't end up sort of their, 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 their direction will will change mm-hmm. so there aren't any I mean I have got yes I have got favorites but I would never ever I would never make anybody nobody certainly in lower school would ever be aware of that and I just think mm. um you know I'm, I'm thinking at the moment about my year 11 group yes I've got some you know really really good kids really a couple who are absolutely fantastic and you'd think that they would be my favorites but actually they're not um mm. my favorites are the ones that I that I can see they're struggling and they're trying and they're really wanting to do something to please me and um yeah. and I can have a bit of a banter with them because these other ones that are fantastic you can't have really banter with them yeah. but these ones you can and and this one, you've seen how how much he's changed since year 11 and the process that he's gone through. But when you're actually, that's in my head. So that's favourites mm-hmm. in my head, you know, yeah. it's kind of, I guess the kind of thing you'd say, oh, you'd think, I think to myself, oh, I'd really like one of my daughters to bring you home type of thing. Um, right, I got could you. really yeah. see, I could see that. Um, yeah. But when you're actually in the classroom, you can't do that. There's absolutely no way. Yeah no way you can how, do that. how was it when you how was it when you taught Anna because that's a completely different thing I mean that's oh, your that's daughter and it was I, horrible I always was it yeah? What, what, yeah what was horrible about it because uh she and then there were sort of like two or three of her friends I think you know who obviously they've been around to my house and all the rest of it and so I think they thought they had a bit mm. of carte blanche in the lesson um, right and I felt I I really sort of um, came down hard on Anna. I came down on her harder than I probably would have done if she hadn't been my daughter. Yeah, and um, I don't think we ever brought it home about the, you know, sort of what went on in the lesson and stuff. But I do know that I was harder on her. I made them because they were... They would always faff about with their phones. I, I I made I confiscated their phones every lesson, uh, and this was mm. like my my daughter. I was com- six former. I was confiscating her and her friend's phone. Every, I didn't do it for mm. everybody, just her and a friend and somebody else. Um, I made them put them on my desk at the beginning of every lesson because you know they were just taking the piss at one stage. So yeah, you know I just thought right, okay, well there you go. Yeah. And, you know, maybe I should have done it with the whole group, but they weren't taking the piss, so I just did it with these three. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I when when I found out that she was going to be in your in your um in your class, I was like, oh, that would be interesting because I can only imagine like if it were my dad, for example, who were my teacher, I I'd actually dread it because I yeah. know he would just come down on me. Yeah. Like the smallest thing, yeah. he would come to be almost to overcompensate to show like, look, I know he's she's my daughter, but I'm not going to 
give her yeah. any favorite yeah, drinks. Yeah, exactly. She's going to go overboard and yeah. she go over the top almost, yeah. which is a hard. And then I imagine that Anna was probably the best in the class as well. Yeah. So she had, so she would have had that, not only because she's your daughter, but then she's like, listen, miss or mum. Like, don't, do you know what I mean? Like, let's be fair. Have a go. That's all how I always felt. Yeah. A bit cocky, but I always felt like, yeah. you're having a go at me when, like, all of these are getting C's and you know yeah. I'm going to come out with an A. Like, yeah. calm down. Do you know what I mean? That yeah, was always yeah. my tact. Yeah. So when she's then your daughter, it's like an added level of that confidence, yeah. I guess. It, it was, and I'm sure she hated it as well. But, yeah. Um, and also, she would, she, she went, I can't remember how many were in that group. I think it might have been about eight of them. But sort of, she was really, really close friends. There was about a group of five of them that were really close friends. And they would just be, you know, coming around to my house at the weekend, getting, you know, having parties and stuff. And, yeah. uh, and then, you know, and I'd seen them in sort of situations that <laughs> a teacher shouldn't <laughs> see her students in type of thing. Um, yeah. And... And yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm sure she had absolutely hated it and preferred uh, going to St George's to have the lessons. <laughs> she's probably the only she's probably the only kid who could say that. I think everyone okay. else uh, <laughs> massively preferred to stay at cars. But yeah, it's one of those ones. Um, do you? Uh, what's like? What's some of the hardest things? What's the hardest aspect of your profession? Is it? living up to like school expectations of right I don't know how it works but does the headmaster say to you we need a certain level of a to b grades in this year group or whatever or is it managing the different personalities trying to inspire kids well what is the hardest part about being a teacher do you know there there isn't a hardest part it's all it's all really hard (laughs) (laughs) and it gets harder and harder um mm. yeah i mean obviously you've got the uh sort of the um the accountability um yeah. as far as the exams go uh which you know i i don't agree with i agree with the fact that you have to be accountable for the way in which you can teach and for the way what you can do to try and sort of improve students but at the end of the day um they're the ones sitting the exam and if they don't study then you can have done absolutely everything you want to help them which we tend to do um to Mm. encourage them to motivate them to give them these extra revision classes if they can't be bothered then you know and that does affect you that will affect you i mean thankfully our school it's not sort of pay related um but a lot of schools it is now become oh really yeah, it's 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 oh. always got to be one of our appraisal targets, um, and inevitably it's a not reached objective, not reached because you know yeah. um, we don't set the targets. The targets are set with you know this computer case scenario and yeah yeah, yeah. Um, you know and they are ridiculous targets. So it's it's all really hard, Seb, and it's it's hard. Um, it's been really hard, uh, obviously, with lockdown. Um, yeah. We got teachers got a lot of teacher bashing in the UK. Um, but as soon as uh, as soon as lockdown happened, that very first day, I was teaching my classes online. Um, so I was doing I was stuck to the computer 
sort of practically all day and then anytime I wasn't I was ringing up my form because I had it they were in year eight at the time so I was ringing up um I was going through all of the kids in my form ringing them up checking out how they were and you know start off with it was all great and hunky-dory and it was all a big novelty and then students stopped coming to lessons and so you'd have to chase them up and then you'd have phone calls from parents in your form who were you know mothers and and fathers crying over the Mm. phone because so and so was just not not coping and I mean Mm. one one evening I went round at um somebody one of the boys in my form that lives on the estate I went round to his at 7 7 p.m um to to talk to him and his mum because she just phoned me up in floods of tears because she couldn't deal with him and um and that's what we were that more and more there's sort of a lot of mental health issues um sort of with young children and 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 it's going to be there are going to be more and more as a result of um sort of lockdown and COVID-19 and all the rest of it and it is it's all it's all really really difficult it's it's really difficult I think uh I don't know how you felt but I think from the outsider's point of view one thing um that COVID has done to help teachers I think it's kind of re-established their importance I from what I've when I've been speaking to people who have kids, for example, and they said, oh, my admiration for those teachers oh, yeah. has gone through the roof because <laughs> yeah. I just don't know how. I mean, and, this, and they're saying this is my child. I mean, this is mm-hmm. literally my daughter or son who I love more than anything in the world. Yeah. And I don't know how they do this with 30 basically strangers. Yeah. They're not your kids. No. And you do that day in, day out. And I think people definitely took it for granted that, you know, we always talk about, and uh, well, I say we always talk about nurses, but I don't think we give them enough kudos. And again, I think COVID mm. has has reestablished their respect. But mm. we always kind of lump doctors, nurses, policemen, firemen into the same thing. Yeah. And I always think that teachers should be lumped in there as well. Mm. Um, and I think, I don't know how you feel, but do you feel like you've got more respect because of the situation and now parents understand what it is that you do every day? Yeah, possibly. Um yeah and and I mean a lot of the parents that I spoke to were saying god I don't know how you in fact what one um one day I was doing a I was doing a year eight lesson and so it was a year eight lesson over online uh and there was the year eights they were very I know they were year sevens at the time uh they very immature and very silly and and all the rest of it so there were a couple of boys on there who were um just wanting to sort of play up to the rest of the group that were there on, you know, on the cameras and all the rest of it. And, um, and they were quite disruptive. And so it was, you know, a question of, you know, having to sort of get them in line and all the rest of it and move on with the rest of the group and move on with what I was trying to teach. Anyway, what I didn't realize was um, that there was a mother with one of her children who was in my class she was sitting next to him to sort of try and help you know and helping him with his Spanish thank god I didn't say anything that I shouldn't have said mm. um yeah. but she emailed me afterwards and she said look she said I I just take my hat off to you you you've you know you've dealt with that group of 30 and there were a couple of them who were 
you know, not playing ball and you've managed to deal with them, I keep the lesson going and uh, I, ca- I, I can't do it with my own child, she said. And you yeah. managed to do it. I don't, and I don't know how you kept, that's it. I think she said, I don't know how you kept your calm. Um, so, you, you know, it's all, I mean, it's all, you, you just, you've just got to keep in your head that professional chip yeah. at all times, um, especially when you were the little ones. But, yeah. you know, I don't know, you've just got to, just it must be such a hard balance mm. because I feel like, you know, with teachers, it was one of the few professions where, like you said, you've got that professional chip and you, you have to maintain some professional distance, but mm. you have to relate and you have to be personable and you have to be show your human side and show that you see the student's human side. And obviously yeah. maybe that can grow as the kids get older and you can have more kind of uh, introspective conversations and whatever it may be but you know most people they go to work and it's right let me put my professional hat on you know you yeah. go to the office and it is it's purely professional there's no need to maintain this kind of human aspect and maybe that's lacking in workplaces but it's not expected whereas as a teacher you have to have both hats on at the same time yeah and, and balance it and with some students maybe i be more professional so to speak or colder or more distant and with others be more warm and more motherly I guess mm, to bring yeah. the best out of them yeah yeah that I mean that's really that's actually funny you should say that because I went for um I, I went for one of the assistant job heads the assistant head jobs um mm-hmm. at, at cars a few years in, you'd left I think so I went I went to I went for this interview and you know, as they do, they have the student panel interviewing you as well. And All right. so they sort of said they wanted me to do a, well, they wanted us to do a presentation on what we thought the role of assistant head was about. Um, anyway, so I did this presentation and they actually came, their their comment, the student panel's comment uh-huh. was that um, I I was, I did, I came across as very motherly. Yeah. So but was that negative or, or or in a negative way or positively? I think it was positive for me uh, as as far as my personality goes, but I think sort of negative in as much as I think they felt that an assistant head had to be more, had to be harder, had to be right. sort of less, uh, less of a motherly figure, less of a mm. sort of fatherly figure that needed to be sort of colder almost yeah it i guess it's at the end of the day it's horses for courses isn't it i mean mm. people will um they, they will react differently to different teaching styles to different people at the end of the mm. day but i never thought of you as like you know you hear people say like oh he was like my second father like my second mother i wouldn't go that far but i definitely mm. thought of you as a like a motherly figure in the sense of you know when i often when i would have free free um like for a free hour at school because maybe i didn't have a lesson i'd often just come into yours mm. for a chat yeah. If you didn't have a lesson to see how you are, how's things like mm-hmm. blah blah, just have just a general chin work. And I wouldn't do that with a lot of other teachers, not because I didn't like them, but because I didn't have that personal yeah. aspect. There wasn't that level yeah. of relationship with them. Whereas yeah. with you, I always felt that. And I mean, I've had my mental health troubles after you after I left cars, but had the things that happened to me afterwards happened to me during school. I would have felt more than comfortable and probably would have come to you in some sort of solace. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't have done that with other teachers who are quote unquote colder or yeah. whatever, more distant, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't happen know. sort of, it doesn't happen 
all the time. It's like you don't get it's just sort of you just you just sort of click with some people, don't you? Um, and it doesn't yeah. matter sort of uh, the, the professional distance and it doesn't matter the age distance. Uh, you just there are sometimes there are students there that just click with you and you can see so much potential in them. And, mm. you know, it just sort of is a, an automatic thing almost. Um, yeah. I wonder when you, because I have a lot of friends when I first came to Spain and it was hard to get a job and this, that and the other, a lot of people are like, oh, why don't you just teach English? Like, I mean, obviously mm. you, you know how what it is to learn a language. You've got good at learning a language and surely you would make a great teacher. And I was like, oh, you wouldn't understand how terrible of a teacher I am because if, I, if you don't get things how I understand them after the first or second time, I just lose my rag. Yeah. And I, I've inherited that from my dad for sure. But <laughs> do you think it's a calling? Because people always talk about nursing and doctors, and again, firemen, policemen, how it's like a calling. And I think to be a teacher, you have to... I used to think, and I'll be honest here, I used to think that teachers were a failure in their subject. Mm-hmm. And so then they became a teacher. So when there was like my business teacher, I was always like, well, if he was a good businessman, he wouldn't be a teacher, would he? Yeah. He'd, just be, he'd be a multi-millionaire businessman. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you, you know, I don't think Alan, te- Alan Sugar wants to teach. <laughs> but the more and more I, I've, and I've got friends now who've gone into teaching and they're doing their courses and this, that and the other. And I'm like, oh, they're not doing it because of the holiday or whatever. And obviously the money's not necessarily great. They're not doing it for that. There's a calling and they just love teaching people, which I've mm. never understood. I've, obviously it's not my calling, but do you think it is? I I didn't go into teaching as a calling. No, it was the... Right. This thing from my mind. My mum was a teacher, and my auntie was a teacher, and it was just like I, I'm never going to be a teacher. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I I finished uni and didn't have a clue what I wanted to do, and that's when I went off to Barcelona. Allegedly, I was going for a year or two, and I stayed mm-hmm. for ten years. Um, I started teaching English. Um, as a foreign language but it was different because I was teaching to adults and you yeah. know sort of after we'd finished lessons we'd all go out on the piss and all the rest of it you know so yeah. they were they were paying for it so there was you know they were really keen um, and you know they became your friends as well and it was part yeah. of my social life so I didn't really see that as proper teaching um, and then um, both mine and uh, Albert's job started getting a bit uh, a bit sort of iffy his was had been taken over and it was they were started getting to starting to get rid of the um the originals from the original company and replacing them because they were too expensive and my the place that I was working was starting to have some problems as well so we both we basically mm. said well what should we do should we jump or should we just wait to be pushed mm. um and at that time uh they were offering um quite big not nothing in comparison to what it is now but they were offering quite big mm. um big bucks to go into teach shortage subjects and mfl was one of the shortage subjects so i sort of said well why don't i do that why don't I, why don't we just do this because you know it means you know i'll get this pension i'll get this this yeah. i'll get the other i'll get this pay i'll get holidays blah blah okay so we we left and that's why we came back and I did my PGC hated it (laughs) absolutely hated it uh had sort of so many moments when I could have just thrown in time because at at that stage as well I had a three-year-old as well and could have thrown in the towel at any time 
then I got my first job in a school the other side of Boston. Uh, Oof. For anyone who doesn't know, Boston, I mean, Louise is from there, bless her. But <laughs> I, when I have to go and visit her family, who they always tell me they live in Freeston, not Boston, as if there's any difference. But, uh, I mean, I love her family to bits, but, God, getting that bus up there, it, it does things to my soul when I have to take that journey. Honestly, it does. Yeah. Um, especially even more now that I'm you know, coming from Madrid to Boston. Oh, God. Mm. It's like I'm, I'm like I'm having to pay some sort of penance for some <laughs> sins of a past life. There are, so, some, uh... <laughs> there are some, as you get further and further into the fens as well, there are some yeah. quite tough places. And the school that I was at was quite far into the fence. Uh, anyway, so I did my NQT year, my sort of... Uh, practice first year there uh, well no mm. I'd qualified but so it was my first year there newly qualified teacher that's what it is um and it was absolutely awful <sighs> I hated every minute I mean you know I'm talking mm, two girls in my form when they were in sort of year nine or year eight I think it might have been mm. um coming to me to tell me they thought one of them was pregnant and I'm like oh my god I don't know what to do with this. And yeah. kids climbing out of windows and coming up to the board and banging their heads against the board. And Jeez. I was just like this newly qualified teacher. Anyway, long story short, I uh, left there um, and got a job at Horncastle Grammar. And that was where I really started to enjoy it. You know, it was... Mm students that really wanted to be there um and then it just went on from there skeg grammar was um a different kind of grammar school um and there were some sort of uh quite challenging characters, characters there yeah um <laughs> yeah. like but they some were, people they, would have been my good friends. Really, yeah, I was. I was just trying to think of who they might have been, but, but yeah, they, I, I think I can remember. But yeah, um, did you know that one of them did a Mooney at me? No, he was out. Uh, you know, the, no, oh. but yeah, in the, in the playground, I can imagine. I mean, yeah. listen, I was I was part of shenanigans that went on there. I just yeah. managed to keep my I managed to keep my grades good, so I yeah. got away with more things than they did. But yeah. But they they were nice kids they were nice kids yeah. I knew they weren't gonna you know sort of ever do anything with languages but they were they were nice kids um and I and I had to deal with some stuff there I had to deal with somebody in my form who who was self-harming um I had to deal with somebody else whose pet one of their parents died and you know that was sort of mm. You know, and that makes you really think, and that makes, and that's so from Horncastle through to well, where I am now, apart from the blip that I had, but the blip that I had was nothing to do with teaching per se. And I, I love yeah. teaching. I love mm. standing in front of a club. You give me, you give me a class of eight hundred, one thousand kids, and I wouldn't have a problem whatsoever. Um, I absolutely love that side of the teaching um, and trying to bring out the potential and recognizing the potential in, you know, in, in, in every individual. Um, mm -hmm. And it's the rest of the bollocks really that, yeah, that I can't do deal with. 
Yeah, no, I understand. To, before we finish up, you kind of touched it just at the end there. The positive of it, the bringing a kid to their full potential or or leading them on a path that will eventually lead to them oh. having a really great life and whatever. How does that feel for you? Is that just vindication for everything? Or like you said, all of the crap that you have to deal with, all the paperwork and all the bureaucracy of it all. When you get that one kid or two kid per class or even per year, whatever it may be, does that vindicate everything else? Does that make it all worthwhile? Yeah, and it's not just and it's not just those that will go on to do Spanish at for A level or Spanish at university or anything like that. It's just when you've worked so hard, whether it's sort of on a academic level, mm-hmm. insofar as you've opened up their mind to diff to diversity, you've opened up their mind to cultural differences, you've opened up their minds to actually, yes, they can do this. And it's not sort of just because their parents were that. I mean, that is if I had a pound for every time a parent would come to me at parents evening saying, oh, yeah, well, you know, I was always rubbish at French or, or German or whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, I'd be a millionaire. And yeah. that obviously that that attitude or that sort of um, way of thinking, it does rub off on you on, on your children. And the fact that you can then, you know, sort of somebody like, for example, we were talking about mm-hmm. one of the boys in the group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in our A-level group. And he yeah. came, I think he started the school in year 10. First thing he said to me when he was in my, in, in the very first lesson was, oh, I'm really rubbish at Spanish and I'm not going to get anywhere with it. Mm-hmm. And as we worked through, it was obviously uh, sort of, you know, he'd had, sort of maybe, I don't know, bad teaching or a bad experience in his previous school and all the rest of it. We worked through, he ended up getting an A star. He ended up doing it for A level and he got an A. Did he or did he get an A star? I can't remember. An A star anyway. Yeah, thereabouts, yeah. Um, You know, and this was the person that at the beginning of year 10 had said to me, I'm rubbish, I shouldn't really be doing this subject. And, you know, that is that is part and parcel of it and it's not just that it's the it's the being able to you know if somebody says oh that they're really interested they really want to do this and and sort of helping them out and thinking well okay so you want to go and be a an engineer so don't go and do an engineering diploma in a level go and do physics and maths and and just trying to sort of show them the different options show the students the different options that there are available to them you know, the, the, this world is huge and there's so much possibility for them to do. And that's what I like about my job, you know, just being able to help them. Yeah. Well, I, can. I mean, I know that obviously I'm, we speak, I speak to Louisa every now and again, and even though she drops Spanish and everything else, she still looks back fondly on your lessons, even though she always struggled with Spanish and never felt confident in it. She always um, enjoys mm-hmm. your lessons. And I, I said at the start of the uh, podcast, how much of an influence you've had indirectly and directly in my life. So, I mean, yeah, you've definitely done your job well there. Um, before we get going, the, there's just two more questions I want to ask. The first of, of mm-hmm. is who helps the helper? So when you're feeling down, when you've got going through a tumultuous time at home or with the stresses of the job or whatever the case may be, who helps the teacher then? Is it the the sanctity of um of the teacher's room? Um, the where you all kind of do you know what I mean you're all helping each other out, or is it your at home friends? Who helps the helper? 
What, apart from the bottle of wine? <laughs> apart from the bottle of wine, apart from that lovely <laughs> Rioja. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, gosh. Well, we don't have we don't have the staff room now at the moment. So, oh, cool. uh, yeah. so that's not... Um, I mean, before, uh, yeah, if you'd had sort of like a bad lesson or a bad do with a student, you could go and into the staff room and, you know, chances are other people would have had a bad session with this student as well but who helps the helper I think I don't I've got two very very close friends who are both teachers one's not at my school one is um and I I will and then actually there's another one who's she's not not a teacher she's um the exams officer um Mm. and I will I will go to them and I will sort of talk to them and get their you know and they will they'll really help me um you you know I do go and talk to my mum and dad about a lot of things but I think if you're not actually in that environment it's you know it's very difficult to to be able to understand it completely um and some people just can't understand it at all they just have no Mm. knowledge no interest no so yeah there's a couple of people two or three people that I would go to and well uh, yeah it's good to know that you have that that there are some people there because I think like like we said before I think people kind of just took it for granted the teacher's job and then Mm. I think now with COVID have now understand understand a bit more have at least a bit more empathy and compassion towards the pressures that go on and that are involved Mm. in being a teacher with that Mm. said the final question how do you keep on top of your mental health what do you do to to uh keep that in top shape um well I didn't because I did have a (laughs) I did have a bit of a blip. Uh, I mean, it wasn't yeah. all. It wasn't all to do with school. There were lots of things going no. on, but I mean, school was definitely, uh, definitely one of them. And I went through a really, uh, a really bad time for about eight months. And um, I, I, I thought I'm, you know, I had help. I had the school were really good actually. The school. Um, paid for me to have sessions with a therapist um, and um, sort of the work-related people that help you as well. And so they were really, really good. And, uh, again, these friends were really good and uh, a bit of medication. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and you just you just take one day at a time, really. Yeah. I just take one day at a time. Uh, if mm-hmm. I, I am having a problem, like the other day, and it, well, I was on holiday, I was on half term, and the other day I just could not be bothered to get out of bed. I couldn't be bothered. Um, mm. But then spoke to one of my friends and she said, come on, let's go out for a walk, blah, 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 blah. So it's, I do need to, uh, I need to have people around me. I don't like yeah. being on my own. Yeah, um, I'm the same. Yeah, I need I'm to have the somebody there to to boost me, really. So uh, yeah. I'm doing. I I I'm I'm managing really really well now. That's good to hear. Yeah, so I'm doing really well. That's good to hear. Well, uh, thank you so much for having this conversation. It's something like I said. I've been away from school now for six years, but uh, six I still. Years. 
I know. I still send you messages every now and again. Yeah. Probably annoy you sometimes. But, no, you um... don't. And I'm still, I've <laughs> still got pending, even though it goes against the grain, to um to 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 come and visit Madrid. Listen, when I when I show you around Madrid, you will think of all that time wasted in Barcelona, and then you'll say, "Oh, if only I could live my life again. How how differently would I do things?" <laughs> yeah. And then maybe no, a maybe. Maybe at A level, you'll start teaching about like Madrid de- independence instead of Catalan independence, and <laughs> yeah. uh, so yeah. on. <laughs> but no, uh, thank you so much for having this conversation. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Hi guys, thank you for listening to the podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a five star review if you haven't already. Every review helps us climb the podcast charts so that even more of you can listen to our amazing guests. We really appreciate the support. Remember to tune in next week. But until then, keep safe and have a good one.